Welcome to Useful Outsiders, a monthly podcast series brought to you by the Council for International Development. Kia ora koutou, welcome to episode 8. In this episode, Justin Purser from TradeAid New Zealand speaks with two of TradeAid's small producer trading partners, Sweeten Alasco, who works for Comza, a sustainable coffee business in Honduras, and Gotam Mohan, who works for Tea Promoters India. We hear about how the COVID pandemic impacted their businesses, livelihoods and communities. Despite the major disruptions and challenges that COVID presented, it also accelerated innovation. And this episode tells a story of resilience in the face of adversity. So grab yourself a cup of fair trade tea or coffee and sit back and enjoy the discussion. Hi everyone, my name is Justin Purser from TradeAid. In this episode, we're focusing on global shocks and the impacts on trade that they bring for small producers. And we'll be looking in this episode specifically around the COVID pandemic and the impact that that's had on producers and their communities over the last two and a half years. And we'll be starting by looking first maybe at the the challenges we had in the early phase of the pandemic in 2020, as the world was going into lockdown. Uh, So to look at um, at the impacts these had, going over to you first, Gautam, Tea Promoters India, if you can just explain to us what happened in that phase for your organisation. Good morning, Justin. It's uh, good to be here, and uh, it's 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 always so important to remember the initial phases of the pandemic and what you know as a as a global community we all went through. Uh, it w- it was a very harsh reaction that we had here in India, with the state coming down, literally with an iron fist, uh, locking everything down, and. Uh, as an organization that works with tea pluckers, uh, you know we 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 were we were exposed and uh, our underbelly was exposed, which is our pluckers. Uh, uh, the lockdown came all of a sudden. There was no planning. There was no forewarning. We, you know, just to give everyone context, work in very very remote areas, mountainous areas of Darjeeling, the remote Brahmaputra plains of Assam. And uh, uh, there is a huge amount of dependency that uh, these tea communities have on organizations like us that uh, manage uh, and and support cooperatives uh, uh, that grow tea. So, uh, you know, overnight on on hearing that there is going to be a strict lockdown which will curtail uh, any sort of movement, you know, where you'll have to stay at home. Uh, uh, we had to literally overnight move uh, 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 supplies of food and medicines into these uh, uh, areas. Uh, but, you know, there was only so much we could plan. And uh, what we ultimately uh, realized is the resilience of our people. Uh, you know, we are, we, are, we are a hill community. And, uh, uh, you know, soon there was a BATA system that got evolved where I was growing, you know, say some potatoes. And then there was another neighbor of mine that might have been having some pigs. And then, you know, we were, you know, nicely exchanging in a very uh, efficient system that evolved uh, our, our, our produce. And uh, yeah, it just showed how uh, resilient, good, organic uh, ecosystems can be when there is, you know, uh, a sense of uh, multi-cropping, 
uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's always never just been tea, right? We've, we've encouraged our farmers to be uh, self-sustainable uh, with their own uh, food consumption as well. So uh, uh, it, it was very, very difficult those days. But uh, eventually, uh, you know, through the initial years of 2020, uh, uh, you know, the, the hardship that we had seen, we, I thought, I thought as a community, as a tea community, we, we fought back uh, very well. Uh, and, and, and then lastly, the pandemic itself, right? Uh, I would say uh, living in these uh, uh, open, airy spaces out in rural uh, Darjeeling uh, also helped us, shielded us from the, uh, from the pandemic. Uh, we we barely had too many cases of COVID and uh, too many people uh, getting ill, and, and I think uh, a lot of it just goes, uh, you know, it, it it directs us towards the sustainable living systems that we have evolved in our tea communities. Could, could you talk a little bit more about maybe the impact that the the lockdowns in in your the tea producing areas that you're 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 working in, how that how that came through the harvest because I think the world was going into to um, lockdown generally through March, April, but you were coming towards your harvest and if you can just talk us through how that works and what impact you had and what difficulties you had getting through that harvest period. Certainly. So, so you know, as a community, while we were very resilient, one of the big drawbacks of, of, of the harsh lockdown and the pandemic, uh, I, I still remember during the months of April, May and June 2020, was that uh, we we lost our prized first flush harvest in Darjeeling? Uh, you know, Darjeeling is a unique ecosystem. So so we literally just have six months of harvesting uh, uh, period and then six months of rest where we need to take care of our bushes, prune them, fertilize them, and get them ready for the next six months. And uh, you know, the the lockdown fell bang in the middle of the first flush harvest. So. Uh, yeah, it was an absolutely disastrous situation for us and our farmers. We couldn't harvest our first flush crop, which meant that, you know, the, the, the prized harvest of the year was, was destroyed. And, uh, uh, you know, that was just the beginning of all our troubles. Uh, 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 supply chains had been broken. Uh, as, uh, uh, as we'll all, as... Uh, farmers remember how how expensive container prices had become to to ship our goods outside the country. There was there was a complete uh, breakdown of supply chains within India because of the the lockdown that lasted for forty five uh, days and uh, and uh, really halted everything in the country. So you know you had migratory labor force that worked in the cities who were truck drivers. Who would come and pick up our produce, migrate back to their villages because you know they just couldn't stay back in the cities and, and not earn any money. So, so that's a very small example of just how uh, the complete, the entire supply chain at every step had been broken down. And if you look at that that first flush, which I understand is a is a smaller volume, but it's the highest quality tea. And if you weren't able to to harvest that tea and to and to sell it. Uh, that alone, what sort of impact would that have on your on your sales on your business? It was huge, Justin. So it 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 translates into fifty percent of our revenue, and uh, you know, being organic uh, is, is is not easy. Uh, making compost, uh, applying it into our fields, pruning our our teas, uh, 
implementing all our organic philosophies there's a cost to it and uh, you know we 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 already up against conventional agriculture where yields are higher uh, uh weedicides can be used so 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 being an, a, a labor intensive industry uh that organic tea growing is uh just makes the challenges a lot steeper for us and uh, and uh, it, it was a big loss for us as an organization uh you know we 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 however felt it it was also our uh, duty to to stand up and uh, uh, shelter our farmers so we as an organization took the hit just in uh, uh, we you know we 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 lost that complete first flush produce but uh, uh, you know could we blame the farmers could we blame anyone for it we couldn't right they just couldn't step out of their homes and harvest harvest the tea and 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 process it because of the government laws of uh, lockdown so 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 we decided to pay all our pluckers uh, a monthly grant for at least a couple of months uh, uh, you know in terms of just sustaining their families and you know uh, supporting their uh, uh, financial loss now then to bring you in sweeter what was uh, your experience in in Honduras during that same period can you talk us through that a little please on our side we were luckily almost done with the harvest season from coffee in Marcala in Honduras when lockdown happened at the beginning when covid started covid cases started to come uh, um, recognized in the country there was uh, hesitance between what was going to happen like are we were we going to stay open as a country or were we going to go into a lockdown and um, there was that uncertainty to start with and then like in from one night to the other we went into a full lockdown as a country and so when all of this was happening we like i said we had already had the coffee har- most of the coffee harvested um still processing but um our main uh, disruption came in terms of our export process because then we couldn't bring the coffee to the port because uh, uh, trucks weren't allowed to start uh, to continue moving from one city to another people had to stay home so our uh, workforce wasn't able to come into work um so it was quite a shock but i think um as much as we all could we kept working as a team and then uh, there was a point where the government decided or gave permission for some um, agricultural products to still um, continue working and to still be uh, exporting and so when we had that permission then we were able to give the permission to show a proof um, employees to be able to come and work and process the coffee to be exported so that was point of a challenge because we reduced our production capacity and export preparation to adapt to how many people was allowed to stay within the facilities so that we will be complying with the covid guidelines then we also had to like reinvent the way we were exporting the coffee in terms of like with our partners globally 
it used to be that we would be sending documents and papers that were collected through different offices um, that are involved for the export of the coffee. And none of this was possible to do anymore in paper. So there was some adaptation in that aspect that was needed to be done to where the we had to make sure with our customers that the way that they were uh, able also to adapt to use now uh, digital documents for the release of, of, of the loads and also for the release of payments. So I would say it helped um, that there was trust with the partners that we were working with to be able to take those steps um, and keep the exports happening. So we also faced as a small town uh, that was for like that wasn't as close to the city. We uh, most the local population was trying to to avoid COVID to come into town. Um, similar to what I was hearing for from Gautam, we were like um, people was like if if the trucks the truckers the drivers from the trucks don't come from San Pedro, um, which is the main city which is closest to the port where the cases were coming up. Um, and so the people was like, if they don't come into town, then we can keep our town, our town from getting getting COVID. So that caused to be some roadblocks locally. So eventually, as much as people tried, the cases did started to come and happen within Marcala. And we as a company what we did at the time is we did supported the local system like uh, providing masks and providing um, biosecurity equipment to the local uh, health within Marcala to somehow mitigate the, the pain that was going through the local people in our town. I would say we also had the disruption in access to fuel and there was also um, to some food like Gautam was saying, we also are a, a, a town where people produce a lot of their own food. So you can see, uh, to that extent, you rely that you still have part of your of your of your um, food is is produced locally. So that wasn't as much as an issue, but you could see that people um, who are producing, actually, in coming to smaller towns markets to sell, that was more of an issue because when this lockdown was lockdown was happening, it wasn't allowed for people to walk freely on the streets. You had to go by which day you can actually go and do any errands that you need to do. And so economically speaking, it did um, put some, it put a, a um, hard time on any kind of businesses. I would say people did also adapt quickly and started implementing uh, in a very disciplined way different biosecurity uh, measurements where people always had to be wearing their mask and uh, will have access to hand sanitizer right at the door or wouldn't let people in into businesses without having hand wash and, and things like it. And then you saw, and we did saw like an, an, uh, an increase of the services for people to have delivery at home of different supplies and also like more drive-through. Um, so I think it was key more adoption of um, tools that could be used through the use of internet 
all of that was definitely adopted. We did the work from home where everybody was, the, only those who really needed to come into the office were coming in when it was allowed, but uh, a big part of the team stayed back at home, working from home. Um, since our production had to, a capacity had to be reduced because the amount of people that could be inside of the facilities, we did have to um, lay off some of the, uh, of our employees because uh, we have people who are working throughout the whole season, throughout the whole year, but then we also have people who work only in the harvest and processing and export season. And so since we weren't um, able to export in full capacity, then we had to take the decision of also reducing how much people we could have employed through this time to be able to accommodate and still keep the company um, running economically like in a sustainable way. But definitely it, it, it was a shock for everybody, um, which we had to adapt. Honduras had it had a tougher 2020, I would say, because we also had, we had two hurricanes at the same time, the same year. And that created another crisis in terms of uh, roads that were damaged and um, the, the cities um, that were impacted also like San Pedro Sula, which is, which is next to the port in Puerto Cortez had a lot of impact. And I would say as a country, we were united. The people were supporting the people. Um, like we were in Marcala, we weren't as hit as hard by the hurricanes, but we still had supported the people who were in San Pedro Sula, for instance. Um, so I would say that resilience from the people, it's a key to keep us going through those times was and is key. I heard from Gautam that um, Team Promoters India uh, ended up having to loan money from the bank and um, and self-subsidize the, 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 the tea business and, and, and their workers. Uh, was there any government support in, in Honduras of a similar nature uh, that you're aware of or were you left to your own devices? That I'm aware of, that wasn't our case. I think uh, uh, that's where we had to restructure our our operation and that's where we had to maximize our resources. Um, unfortunately, at the time, that meant that we had to uh, reduce our workforce. COMSA um, has also diversified and we have, uh, at that time actually was when we were focusing even more in the domestic consumption of coffee. So, we, uh, we definitely uh, put more attention to also like our roasting, our roasting operation and, and increasing more the domestic consumption of coffee within Honduras. Um, and definitely like just seeing where, where were there other opportunities for, for the company to, like I said, be more efficient in, in terms of cost and also where could we bring more income in which other forms. And uh, yeah, it's a, we have had cooperation. We had cooperation from some um, customers, some, some other 
uh, partners or we have worked with uh, other organizations, but strictly for the government, I don't think that's been uh, our our experience, or at least not that I'm aware of, I could say that. So we've been focusing on that first year, 2020, and the, the major impacts it had on all of our businesses in their own ways and ways that we had to adapt and try to um, work around the challenges that we faced. Uh, but the pandemic's not done with us yet. Gautam, what would you add in terms of your experience uh, over the last 18 months or so, sort of ongoing impact of, 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 the, of the pandemic on Tea Promoters India? So I think uh, for us, 2021 was a lot more difficult. Uh, you all remember the, the virus became, the variants became a little more severe, the Delta variant and uh, created this dependency on, uh, on oxygen. And, you know, 2021 will be the year I always remember in my life as the darkest year. You know, I hope it, it stays and it, it never comes back. Uh, as as the only dark year I've experienced, but it was it was such a difficult year, uh, Justin. You know, uh, we got hit very hard. It's a highly dense population, so both in the cities and uh, eventually, as uh, Sweeta said, you know, uh, COVID did uh, come into our uh, rural communities, and although uh, we were uh, initially uh, you know, cut off due to the lockdowns quite efficiently. Uh, but, you know, as the lockdowns, the initial lockdowns of 2020 uh, uh, were removed, uh, you know, we, we, we started seeing the wave actually hit us. Uh, so, so, so there was this lag between the cities and the rural areas, right? And this only became a lot more severe in 2021, you know, uh, the lack of any serious medical infrastructure in rural areas across the country was apparent, even more so in these remote areas of northeastern India. The rural-urban bias was apparent. You know, we 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 literally did not have oxygen uh, in Darjeeling town. You know, in, in the main town of Darjeeling, there was no oxygen supply through the Delta. You know, there were just charities working and supplying the oxygen, but there was very little that was coming from the state. And, uh, you know, in, in, in these parts of the world, as uh, Sweeta will also agree, you know, we are, we are also, uh, as organizations, uh, you know, uh, it's a very extra legal uh, system or partnership where we are also responsible for uh, the citizens that we work with, you know, our growers, the tea pluckers. So, uh, yeah, it was a huge responsibility on, on, on our part from Tea Promoters India to, you know, get medical supplies, support, oxygen, you know, quarantining areas, rooms, you know, to get the funding, to, to get it all started very quickly. Um, so, 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 so that was something that, that stayed uh, and, and it always will, you know, to see how many people we, we, we lost, unfortunately, in 2021 due to the Delta wave and just the, the raw suffering of people across the country. I, I think we were one of the hardest hit, uh, being uh, high on our population density, you know, with, with Delta was, was really not easy on us. Uh, but then I think after the Delta wave, uh, things did and have been a little more uh, stable. I think uh, the vaccinations rolled out 
and uh, for us to really break that vaccine hesitancy in the areas where we work in was was a big challenge you know uh, india especially in the rural areas there was a lot of vaccine hesitancy but uh, i think uh, uh, just making people understand how this would prevent death uh, was 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 a very powerful idea so uh, from a covid standpoint 2021 was even got worse uh, in terms of managing uh, tea harvesting and our, uh, our uh, supply chains i think i think what i'll always remember is how just how expensive it became to move goods uh, outside the country and you know this entire phase of deglobalization so uh, you know the way we reacted to countries where we where we realized uh, new variants were coming from uh, you know uh, how how almost the entire global uh, 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 network of flights and movement of people had come to a halt and uh, you know uh, we all are here because we we are somehow a, 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 a global success story of uh, a globalization and that we can sell our produce uh, you know outside our immediate neighbor so uh, obviously uh, 2021 with all the disruptions uh, continuous disruptions was was hard even though later in the year covid did subside but uh, it still very much remained uh, a challenging year and and how about from a from a financial standpoint um this latter part of 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 the covid uh pandemic in terms of your ability to maintain your sales for example i think our our purchases for in trade aid what stayed relatively constant because we had trade aid stores which might have been open or closed but we have other distribution as well um but how how did you go with other markets and and that extra internal cost that you were having to try to to manage at the same time it was very interesting because uh, we actually to our surprise noticed that tea consumption had increased people were staying at home and uh, i'm sorry swetha but uh, i think uh, what study showed was that people uh, uh, drink more tea while staying at home than coffee uh, you know coffee is also a workplace drink uh, so 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 that was good news for us you know people were drinking more tea and uh, uh, there was also this big health movement so a lot of you know these herbal healthy teas were 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 selling very well green teas were doing very well and uh, uh yeah you know it was it was some it, it, it was definitely a big uh, uh glimmer of hope for us but uh, uh as with most agricultural products the cost of everything had shot up you know uh the supply chains have been so disrupted that Uh, the cost of uh, raw materials and you know with tea is just not labor there's there's there are all these processing charges that had gone up uh, container costs just to give uh, our uh, viewers a sense uh, uh, a container prior to covid to say northern america like the west coast would cost us would would cost anyone from asia around 2000 dollars and that in 2021 
had at one point shot up to $20,000. It's still ranging between ten dollars to $12,000, you know, and, and that's significant, right? Because, you know, you, you're not selling as farmers. We, 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 we still realize that these are not highly um, valuable prized goods that we are exporting you know it's, it's only tea it's not gold and then you know it's, it's dangerous when when uh, your uh, your 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 container transportation costs are more than the value of your produce so uh, while demand went up our we had to cut down on our margins because our partners in the west were also facing an uphill battle you know as i said this was a global uh, challenge for all of us so uh, our margins were hit but the demand was 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 better than we thought as well. And how about you, Sweeta? How did how did you find the the latter part of Comps's uh, COVID experience in terms of your market? You had to get through the next harvest, and you've had another one since as well. How has that how has that been for you? I would say that the from our customers, from our partners, right there in twenty twenty, the delays were caused in terms of shipping were caused because of our lockdown in the country and the block roadblocks within the country. Then when 2021 came, somehow I think um, that's when we actually became a little bit more um, delayed when we were shipping, not because we were delayed at our end, but because of the lack of the spaces uh, when we were trying to ship spaces or to make bookings uh, to ship the, the, uh, and have ship. Heard that we weren't as slow as other countries, and I think that kind of that was still the same uh, same scenario in this year. In Honduras, the first um, vaccinations that became available was around March of 2021, but it was only for medical uh, for people who were doctors and staff in the public sector that were um, dealing with COVID on a highly highly, you know, high exposure. And so that, you know, it was, that came from the nations and, and then it didn't actually became available to rural areas, nor after like the second half uh, of 2021 or toward the end. I think within the country, there was um, some of that uh, uh, disruption within some people were, that were like, did believe in the vaccination and some other that did not believe in it. But overall, there was more a sense of like, actually, it's the responsible thing to do to get your vaccination done. And that did help to see a decrease in the cases. Same situation that Gautan was saying happened uh, when the restrictions from lockdown were um, harder, um, more restrictive in how many people was out. And then that allow for less of the spread and when those restrictions became a little bit looser then we did have like a wave come up of cases so that's kind of like a general description i would say um we had to adapt in all possible ways um like i i i was seeing the other day one of the office where we still had like packages of papers and i'm like what are all these um uh, envelopes and they're like, oh, those are all those documents that, that nobody's receiving right now because we are doing everything, most of all of these papers, is, uh, digital now. But we still have them in case they need it sometime. <laughs> we don't know when they're going to need it. So we just 
having those papers staying here because that nobody knew that this is i mean for many years it hasn't been done this way and now this is this is just how it gets done i think it does for us it was a lot of adaptation uh we did so obviously we had the loss of lives of some of our members or relatives to our families i would say that those crush the spirit of the people um in some ways and what he and what um Gautam was saying just like the ability of having a what we know a normal funeral um that went away for some time there's a grief process that might not be complete for everyone i would say depending how people got to experience that uh, when 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 somebody knew that somebody was uh, diagnosed and died from covid that was removed from the families too to where there wasn't any funeral and so uh, definitely that as a country as a people as uh, it, it leaves a mark and then other than that i think it's just been one of those things where people have to adapt we did so more migration so i would say in the next years uh, the next harvest 21 and 22 more of our labor for harvesting um has represented a challenge for our producers because of uh, a higher migration than less um less availability of people around the smaller towns um to harvest the coffee and then we did so a decline in our production from 20 from 2021 and 22 at which it does has to do also with the cost of life in general going higher and and again that can be translated from the cost to your fuel and cost of bringing any um inputs that you need into the farm and it it made it to where our production output decrease over than than years um and that could be also with other coffee aspects related to that have come from other years but it definitely makes for what you call a perfect storm <laughs> in different aspects um but again i think uh coming out of it that those those key things have been been being as a team keeping the teamwork being flexible and adapting as much where you can as fast as you can to be able to come out of the crisis and still keep that coffee going because we don't want any store <laughs> and i do have to say um that there's something interesting from the the consumption pattern that I, that was a surprise is yes people will do that more on the go coffee um and that was a concern like being all the coffee shops being closed we thought uh well what's going to happen with the highest end coffee that gets sold in the coffee shops like Does it mean that we're going to have a decrease in in data in that market? Um, it was it was a bit uncertain, uncertain at the beginning, but coming out um, in 2021, actually, I noticed it was actually an increase on those sales because what happened with uh, many brands is they switch from uh, the people started again uh, staying home, and so more people was wanting to experiment with. different coffees and so there was an increase in terms of uh, online sales so we did so from some customers either their 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 sales went to higher in term in supermarkets like Justin was telling us but also others their sales um transfer to online channel 
and actually created a little bit of uh, a more of an increase. And so more people actually now wanted to try more about the coffee that come from one farmer specifically. So that made a little bit uh, unexpected good increase in that end. I'd, I'd say for trade aid in, in New Zealand in our context, uh, the last year and a half, we've seen two major threads, I guess. One impacts on all of our businesses, the challenge we had, especially through 2021 and um, from certain uh, countries where we we're importing product in 2022, it remains the challenges we had around moving the stock. That's when the, the, the impact of uh, global shipping disruption really hit us and it became much harder for um, us to, or our trading partners to access the containers to ship the goods in, to get bookings on ships that, that could sail in our direction. And most of all, the explosion in freight costs. And I spend a lot of time sitting alongside uh, our freight manager, hunting around trying to find um, some other options in the market because some cheaper options might sort of come and go as 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 um, as bookings were available. And we were trying to avoid the most expensive options that we had. And sometimes we just had to take them. But uh, there's a lot of focus put on that uh, aspect of our business. Um, we also have a retail network. Um, which mainly sells handcrafts. And I would say um, a little upside for us is the fact that New Zealanders were kind of stuck in New Zealand. They couldn't go traveling overseas. Um, they were starting to focus more on, on some spending uh, within the home, home improvements, home, home decorations and so forth. And, and we had a kind of a boom phase uh, sale um, of handcrafts and it through our retail network through our 2020, 2021 financial year. Um, which was then followed by another lockdown as, as the Delta variant got into New Zealand, uh, which, which meant that our sales through, through retail fell away again. We didn't have such a, a level of government subsidy for, for wages through that period. And, and, and retail's been a little bit sluggish for us since. And so I think one of my learnings from the COVID experience has been that um, handcrafts is a different story for us than, than food. People will still eat food. It's just a matter of, how we might be resourceful enough and adaptive enough to try to um, work around the challenges we have and, and reach that wider market, wherever those people are having to shop. Um, whereas handcraft people, maybe they're buying more or less of them depending on these, these macro factors. Um, for us, they've kind of balanced out, interestingly enough. Um, and if I reflect on our business model, we're, we're an unusual organization insofar as we have um, a handcraft business through retail and some wholesale handcraft as well food, which we've got uh, a, a wide distri distribution network, including whole food stores and supermarkets. And then we sell green coffee, which goes out to the New Zealand uh, coffee roasting uh, industry. And sometimes I feel that that's a real weakness for us. It's, you know, we've, we're spread across a number of different businesses under the same operation. We also have a chocolate factory. Um, but during the COVID era, it seemed to be uh, somewhat to our advantage is that we had um, some resilience from the fact we had these different models and different places where we could um, still move product even when others weren't working so well for us. And I, I really noticed that within the coffee industry as an example, where we're roasters who are heavily dependent on, on selling coffee through wholesale to cafes and recognize how disruptive that can be to their business. They're actively, in many cases, trying to diversify their, their, um, their customer base so that they can be more resilient for the future. So that's sort of brought our story to the present day. Um, what I'd be looking to hear a little bit more from, from, from both of you, maybe starting with you again, Gautam, is just 
from where you're at now and reflecting on the the, 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 the global shock that we've been talking about today, the, the, the COVID pandemic, um, how that's how that's been laid out for you, how how you might um, respond should another shock come along and um, how much how much impact do you think that'll have on your business? Have you got any um, learnings or improvements from from the experience you've been through or are they just hard and costly? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, that's a great question, uh, Justin. So, you know, we, we have done a little bit of introspection as an organization on, on the things we have learned. And, and we certainly have learned a lot of things. You know, we as an organization are spread all over India. All the major tea growing regions have a presence of uh, TPI. Uh, and uh, one of the amazing things that came out of COVID is uh, digital communication, something that we're doing now. Uh, so uh, we have uh, institutionalized uh, monthly Zoom calls. Uh, there are uh, a lot more uh, Zoom meetings within departments, within teams, something which, uh, you know, wasn't there earlier. Uh, you know, we had all the infrastructure, maybe the connectivity would sometimes be a problem, but uh, it, it just wasn't there. Uh, so, so I think uh, overall efficiencies across our system within uh, TPI have improved, you know, and it, it was, it was, it was just a matter of uh, survival, you know, when you're pushed against the wall, margins are being hit, we discussed this earlier, costs are going up, you know, there's only so much that people are going to pay for tea, so what do you do, you know, you, 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 you try whatever is under your control, which is, uh, you know, operational excellence, uh, really creating uh, centers of uh, uh, excellence in, uh, in, in, in efficiency in the way we run our business and the way we manage our business. So uh, yeah, the, you know, there were a lot of small little uh, uh, changes we could make within our own supply chain that would, you know, that's made us uh, efficient. So, uh, you know, for example, because uh, energy costs have uh, continued to rise, and you know they 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 are still rising. Uh, we as a as an organization have shifted our uh, reliance more on uh, you know uh, renewable sources of energy. So that's cut our uh, operating costs as a business. And uh, you know these are long term investments, but uh, they are paying off. And you know. Uh, uh, it's, 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 you know, the clarity always isn't there because as an example, you know, if you, if you do set up a solar plant, which we have, you know, the initial capital investment is a lot, you know, and, and especially when you're coming out of, uh, uh, you know, a, a tough two years, but, uh, you know, at the same time, there are uh, several uh, uh, modes of financing these uh, investments and, uh, you know, we, we, we could figure out, a, 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 you know, a, uh, a pretty lucrative financial uh, arrangement with a financial institution that supports renewable sources and uh, you know we have a solar plant and you know the 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 bottom line is that our uh, cost of growing tea has come down heavily you know because uh, apart from labor energy would be a huge head uh, that would add to our cost so you know uh, i do believe that uh, you know covid has made all of us uh, review our own businesses, make them more lean and agile. 
uh, I'll stay with energy, Justin. There's so much we can talk about, right? So, you know, I I I do feel that uh, uh, one of one of the uh, uh, fallouts for for us as an organization and uh, for even me at an individual level has been to understand how uh, codependent we are. So, you know, what happens in another part of the world, how quickly it can even reach uh, an area like Darjeeling. And, you know, uh, uh, when, when you work in rural areas, you, you are very inward looking. So, so I, think, I think that realization has also made us understand how fragile we all are. Um, which then comes down to, you know, your question of, uh, you know, are we prepared for the next uh, exigency or uh, uh, another black swan event? Uh, and, you know, I would be lying if, if, uh, if I said uh, we were, you know, you, you never are till you are, right? I mean, till you face it. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I would like to believe that uh, we, we, we are more resilient, especially uh, if, 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 if I had to look at the next, or if I had to guess the next uh, Black Swan event, would, would, which would be a, a climate event, you know. Uh, I, think, I think as an organization, you know, we are now taking our uh, energy uh, uh, sustainability uh, uh, issue much more seriously. We have converted all our firing units from coal burning to liquefied natural gas. As I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, we are at, in a phased manner looking at converting our, our, uh, our dependency on the grid. Uh, and, you know, we are looking at reducing energy, uh, energy bills by installing solar. Uh, and, and that's the big event I, I worry about. You know, uh, uh, I think COVID has made us realize that we all are fragile and, you know, we all are susceptible to so many exigencies and uh, climate change would be a big worry for me. So uh, uh, we are trying to do our part. It's expensive. It's, 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 it's much more challenging than what people make it out to be. And, and the big question that I'll, I'll, I'll leave out there, you know, maybe we can continue this discussion is, uh, with whatever that's continuously going on uh, today in the world, you know, I think I think uh, 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 energy has come in, in, into into great focus. So will will energy security trump energy sustainability? You know, I think I think uh, that's something as citizens, as member states, as countries, we all need to really. Uh, question, you know, as more and more coal-fired power plants are are uh, getting to be restarted, and you know, people are looking away from renewable sources of energy just to first secure their energy needs. So, yeah, I'll leave it there, Justin. And 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 you, sweeter, as we're sort of looking with some reflection on on on, on the experience we've had through COVID and looking towards the future, how would you say the producers within Compsa might be? Um, feeling about the, the 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 prospect of that and and um and how it might play out do you, you think that you're better better positioned now um collectively and individually to to, to face a future shock or is it just going to be a matter of of uh dealing with it as it comes up and and uh, hoping that you can um, work your way through it 
I would say the experience we have gone through right now um, has built resilience and has allowed us to know what other capabilities we had within us. With coffee, we never expect one year to be the same as the last year. It just never, there's always something new that goes different that year. Um, being an agricultural product that is so sensitive when it's time to harvest it, when it's time to, pro to process it, when it's time to export it, like, we are always on a, on a clock that is ticking and you have to do something with it. And in some years, um, the climate works better with that clock and some years it doesn't. So I would say um, that that's one of the common factors that we build every year that kind of anybody who works in coffee will be already in that mindset of don't expect the same because it might not happen. The, the likelihood that it won't happen is very high <laughs> to an extent. So that it makes you to be always um, being flexible and like, okay, we usually do this way, but right now it's not working. And within Comsa, we have this um, part of our philosophy is, is like, if you're trying one thing, you have tried it two, three times, four times, and you see it's not working, why do you keep trying the same thing? So try something different and see if it works. If you find out that it works, share it with your neighbor. Because at the end of the day, we do believe as a cop, as farmers together, we are like, what happened to my neighbors is not just their problem. Eventually it will come to me too. Like we're connected as farmer to farmer and, and then as a, as a town, as Marcala, and then it goes as a country and then it goes, you know, as a continent and as the world. Um, we could be distanced from each other in terms of ge geographic location, but um, we're still one, one world, which are the same, the same atmosphere. We're, we're still going to be handling somehow the effects in different ways from different shocks in the world. I, I would say I, I agree with what Galtan is saying. Climate change definitely is presenting itself uh, uh, different challenges in different ways. We are dealing with some of them. We have been dealing with some of them already for a couple of years. Um, what we have found is uh, implementing, like within Comsa, what we have, uh, we have some of our operations. For instance, we, re we recycle some of the same produce from coffee to, for instance, to dry the coffee. We do some of it is, is done with solar um, in patios or, or bed, raised beds. So that and that's on solar. And then we do have uh, some of that is done mechanically, but the source for, for that part of it is fuel and part of it is the same um, pergamino, the husk from the coffee. Um, part of the fertilizer, the, the organic compost that we use, that is go, yeah, goes back to the farms is the same, um, is that cherry, the pulp, uh, it's, it's made of different components that also come from, from, come from the same coffee. So we try to keep as much as we can, like a type of circle um, of uh, nature in a way to where we, we are recycling the same materials that already are there in nature in what we produce. And that's a way to somehow decrease those, and decrease the, those costs from production, um, reuse our own resources. We are focused now on, on also collecting data to see where, how much we are, our practices are allowing to um, sequestrate that uh, carbon and mitigate that footprint. 
where we are, where we see there's still ways for us to improve and make it even better, I would say. I don't think we will have a plan right now if this uh, type of a scenario comes through. This is what we're going to do exactly. But I think it's, it's just uh, the, um, the habits that we learn as individuals and as an organization that um, have worked before. Some of the things that had worked before, can we apply them now? And, and keeping that critical thinking at the time of uh, questioning ourselves, what can be done different here? Um, and so and see where solutions can come from. And there's no doubt that climate change is going to be a, a long running challenge. Um, and I was thinking about it in preparing for this 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 podcast is that um, it's 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 a different kind of shock. It's 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 um it's one which is going to have a a, a long period for us to um, try to manage our way through. And, and and Sarah, I was thinking it was um probably going to make a, a good topic for a, for a for a separate podcast at a later date. I want to thank everyone for their time today. Um, I know that it was very early when we started for you, Gautam, and it's very late as we finished for you, Sweeter. Um, we've, we've, we've covered a topic which shows that there was a, a lot of challenges and some, some, some financial challenges um, along the way. Um, there was um, lessons learned and some resilience found, and um, no one can really predict what the next similar shock to COVID might be. Um, I'd love to think that um, with the help of the, the, the stronger communication, I think that we, that we found ourselves engaged in with our trading partners as well, and um, and with the the understanding that 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 we're all resilient and adaptive as we can, that it, uh, it, it won't prove to be too hard on us. But um, we don't we don't know. But um, here we are. We're all in this together, and we're going to be working as best we can to uh, to uh, support each other through it. So thank you very much for your time today, and um, all the best for the future. And uh, we look forward to whatever comes our way in partnership with you both. Thank you, Justin. Same thank you. Thank you for listening to Useful Outsiders. Please subscribe, share, rate and review and help us to spread the word. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes, please get in touch. You can find our email in the episode notes. We hope you'll join us for the next episode.